Hi, and welcome to another episode of What I Wish I'd Known, the Google Partners podcast with me, your host, Alex Langsher. Well, some of you may have heard an earlier podcast where I interviewed Razor Ray Franklin, a boxing coach and trainer to elite professional athletes. I want to speak to Razor because I'm fascinated about performance. Specifically, what is it about certain people that make them high performers? As a coach, Ray works not just to condition his athletes' physical skills, but must also work to condition their minds. Ray called it the, quote, unwavering belief in the concept of becoming, end quote, and worked to instill and support a belief that they can and will constantly evolve towards the champion that they want to be. This is what great coaches do. They train the athlete's body and mind. Personally, I think that training the mind is probably the harder of the two. We get a lot of conditioning from an early age that stealthily embeds fears, quietly puts limits in place, and slowly builds an inner voice that is often harsh and not our best friend. I've worked with some great business coaches in my time, and almost to a person, they will focus on the individual as well as the business. While the business can be objectively measured and methodically improved, it's not always as easy to do the same for the person. So that's why I'm really excited today to have as our guest, Karen Brown, the CEO of Velocity Leadership Consulting. She's a motivational speaker, author, and above all, a business coach. Karen has worked with hundreds of businesses and entrepreneurs to help them uncover their blind spots, help them develop concrete action plans, and ultimately transform their businesses. So I want to welcome to the Google Partners Podcast, Karen. Thank you, Alex. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Karen. I've been looking forward to this for some time. Maybe you can share for our listeners a little bit about your backstory and and what led you to become a business coach and and now author. Yeah. Well, it went like this. For 28 years, I worked in the corporate world in business. I uh, was working my way up the corporate ladder to be an executive leader, uh, which I, at the time, very much enjoyed. And was living what I would call a safe, comfortable life and outwardly successful. Uh, I was also at the time a fit, active, recreational athlete. And the backstory is that during that time, I was just doing things that were small and safe, things that I knew I could accomplish, both in business and in my personal uh, and athletic life. Running behind the scenes or parallel to that successful, that outwardly successful life was this gargantuan dream that I had of competing in the Ironman World Championships as an amateur athlete. And for 28 years, I held myself back from that gargantuan dream, even though I had this nagging feeling inside that whole time that what if I have what it takes to do that and I'm not tapping into it? What if I'm squandering my potential? And it was this nagging feeling that just kept at me until I actually in 2010 took a class and learned how to conquer what was going on, which are limiting beliefs. Those beliefs that pop up in our mind when we want to do something that say, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, skilled enough, don't have enough money, time, support, whatever. And then ultimately we stop ourselves. Those are limiting beliefs. So in 2010, at age 44, I learned how to conquer them and transform them into unlimited beliefs. And then I dusted off that gargantuan dream of the Ironman and thought, okay, I'm gonna go for this now. 
no one is stopping me from this but me. And I really want to do this. I want to see if I do have what it takes to do it. So how did you go from that to starting and founding a business uh, that gets into professional business coaching? Yeah. So realizing that the key to higher levels of success is tapping into the power of your unconscious mind and literally harnessing that and changing those thought patterns and ultimately your patterns of action is the key to greater success. Then I started to study it, uh, research it, and became internationally certified, learning as much about the subject as I could, just having an insatiable desire to help other people, specifically leaders, tap into and realize their potential in their lives and in their businesses. And specifically with that group of leaders, because having been that kind of leader myself, I saw what kind of blind spots I had, only really utilizing my conscious thought patterns and and through things like grit and determination, right? I mean, those are really uh, buzzwords right now, grit, especially since there's a, a popular book about it and not taking anything away from those things. They are important. But what I find is that sometimes people who have realized a certain level of success, a nice level of success, if you will, still have these blind spots that when you address them, open up higher levels of success. And they've gone unaddressed because they, you know, the leader hasn't had to or been forced to, you know, really look at them and resolve them, work through them. Uh, I was forced to because I wanted to get to this thing called the Ironman. And so I parlayed all of that with credentials, research, study, becoming a subject matter expert, and really wanted to share that information and the keys to achievement that I learned with everyone. I want to make it accessible to everyone. And my mission with that now, after publishing two books on the subject, is to unlimit everyone's beliefs, to transform the world from having limited beliefs to unlimited, and therefore unlimiting all of our successes. Well, I think this is going to be a fantastic conversation that we're going to get into. So uh, my, my theme of this podcast is what you wish you'd known. So what would be the five strategically tactical actions that you would have told your younger Karen self uh, if she were starting out today about this area? Oh, I love the topic of your show. I really do. And it, it was delightful for me to think about the the top five and, and only list the top five yeah. that I would tell my younger self. So let's dive right in. First one is to recognize that I was holding myself back with limiting beliefs, right? I just spoke about that in the backstory mm-hmm. and that there, there are scientifically proven ways to tap into and conquer those things like limiting beliefs to not, you know, not take it as a, a concrete kind of thing that, oh, it, it's just that way. And it always will be that way. Karen, uh, I'm just going to yes. interrupt you to ask, maybe you can just help us out by giving us an example of what you mean by a limiting belief. Like what are the, what are the parameters around that? Because I believe very strongly in this, but I think it would be helpful to hear your perspective on that. Yes. So the limiting belief I had at the time was that I was a recreational athlete and I wanted to do the Ironman, which uh, in my mind was reserved for elite sort of professional athletes. 
And my limiting belief specifically was, well, I'm down here, you know, at a lower level and they're way up here. What makes me think I could possibly get there? And ultimately, when you distill that down, it's a limiting belief of I'm not enough. I also had the same limiting beliefs in business at the time, even though, again, I was I was outwardly successful. I was a, an executive in business. I was only doing the things that were safe and that I knew I could accomplish. So limiting beliefs come in when anytime we have a fear that we're not going to be able to do it, we're not going to have what it takes or be enough to accomplish it. So Karen, is there something that we can do to recognize that there's a limiting belief at play or how do how did you get to the point where you start to say, oh, okay, I see that, I understand it, um, I'm going to address it. And, and if that's the case, is that what you do in some of your coaching? Yes. Yes to all of it. <laughs> Here's how you can recognize that you're holding yourself back with limiting beliefs. Whatever you are trying to do, Ask yourself, what's the evidence that I can't do it? And is the evidence real or is it perceived? Because when I was thinking about pursuing the Ironman World Championships, the evidence that I would come up with was all perceptions of my limitations. There was no one outside of me saying, oh, you can't do that. You're never going to be able to do that. It was always just my own inner voice and evidence that I wasn't going to be enough to do it. You know, I hear you loud and clear on this. I will, I'll share that I, early in, in my career of, of starting off uh, the company, I found myself in a situation where I was in, in a, a large uh, multinational CP, you know, consumer packaged good company doing a pitch. And I, I felt very out of place. And I was unsure of myself because I thought that everybody else was just better. And that clouded my ability to perform at the level that I think I could perform. I had put a fence around what I thought was my capability. And it was only when somebody else in the room made what I realized was uh, a statement that reflected a, a deep misunderstanding or lack of knowledge about what we were talking about, in this case, digital marketing that I said, oh, well, actually, no, I do belong here, that this idea that I don't belong here is completely inside my head, and they've asked me to be here for a reason. So that was that was a recognition there of a, of a limiting belief, and that actually was important in spurring me to change the way that we did sales. And so I'd, I'd like to bring this limiting belief to a sales aspect, because I believe that that's a really difficult thing for a lot of entrepreneurs and, and agencies is, is how do I drum up more sales? Can you maybe link those two? Absolutely. And I, I, I just want to say that wholeheartedly, yes, um, to your story about your experience. That is another great example of how limiting beliefs work. And so in sales specifically, I would say uh, limiting beliefs are a, a big barrier and how we can actually conquer and transform them in sales is, first of all, the, the two ways I, I said a moment ago, mm -hmm. which are, you know, what's the evidence and is it actually true or is it just inside myself? The other way would be to actually think about for a second, you know, what is the limiting belief 
that is stopping the success in sales that you want, whatever that is, whatever your goal is, and then write that down. And then right next to it, write the complete opposite of it. So I have an example from when I was pursuing Ironman. So 2010 at age 44, I decided to pursue the Ironman, went all in with it, hired a coach, which I had never done before. She was number three in the world at the time at age 50 and had trained many other athletes and gotten them to the Ironman World Championships as well. So I had hired the right person. And I told her, I'll do anything you say, whatever you say, I'll do it, which I did. And a year into my training, I had made significant progress and then hit a plateau, specifically in running faster and being a stronger, more efficient swimmer. So we had a a conversation about it one day, and this is where I actually learned another technique, which I'm about to share with your listeners, uh, on how to transform limiting beliefs. So she said, well, what are your thoughts about your abilities in swimming and running? And I said, well, you know, I'm not a fast runner and I'm not a great swimmer. And she said, there it is. Those are your limiting beliefs. And they are bearing out to be true in your actions because you're not progressing in running or swimming. And I literally just sat back and went, oh, that's right. Look at that. So the same thing happened in sales. So what I did was I wrote down those two limiting beliefs. I'm not a fast runner. I'm not a great swimmer. And then right next to them, I wrote the exact opposite. I am a fast runner. I am a great swimmer. And then the second part of the technique is the self-awareness to notice when you're still having those thoughts, those limiting beliefs, because here's the truth. We come across these thoughts multiple times a day. And when I became aware and even kept track of how many times a day I was thinking, I'm not a fast runner, I'm not a great swimmer, it was absolutely astounding, first of all. And every time I had those thoughts, I immediately changed them around and even said out loud, it didn't even matter whether I was in front of other people or not, which ended up being pretty comical, if you can imagine this, in a, in a high-level, serious business situation in an office. At any rate, I would say, I am a great swimmer. I am a fast runner. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, there was there were people who uh, stared and uh, and had some comments and some laughter. But the thing of it is, it it was absolutely transformational because my conscious mind would hear what my unconscious mind was convincing it of. And that made it easy to make the actionable changes that I needed to make to become a faster runner and a great swimmer. And it it was absolutely, I, I did it with a lot more velocity and ease after that. So for sales, do the same thing, distill it down to, okay, what is the one, what is the biggest limiting belief that is holding me back with regard to my abilities to make these sales? And then write the exact opposite and key in on that awareness every day of when it happens and actively switch it. That's how we change patterns that hold us back. Fantastic. What would be your second point? Second point is tap into a big dream. The bigger, the better. Gargantuan, 
crazy, audacious, ridiculous, the better. Because here's what happens. If a dream isn't big enough, we don't get emotional about it. And emotions are the juice. It's the unconscious juice to do whatever it takes to do your best to pursue and achieve that dream. If other people aren't laughing at your dream, it's not big enough. Well, I I hear you on this and I'm going to uh, just ask you, I mean, I, I've heard the idea of, you know, it's like Simon Shinnick says, start with a why, right? So what is the dream? What, where are you going to focus on? What do you want to be intentional about? How are you going to plan your time? I've, I've heard this before. And I, I, first of all, I totally agree with it. But how do you concretize that so that the dream is achievable? Here's how you do it. Tap into the big dream by visualizing what it will look like, sound like, and feel like to achieve it. So if your big dream is, uh, you know, say to have a $100 million worldwide agency, stop for a second and literally step into what that reality will look, sound, and feel like when you achieve it. See it with enormous clarity and vibrance and huge color and sound. Now, what happens there from a scientific level is that you tap into the power of your unconscious mind and emotions come up and those emotions are tied into meaning. What is going to mean for you? So you've mentioned a number of times now that this is the science of it, or uh, this has been proven by the science, or the science is now caught up to this. Can you maybe share a little bit more about the science of tapping into the unconscious mind and how it is powerful, and therefore we need to pay attention to it? Because I think that there's been a you know the self self help industry has been rife with this you know visualize what you want and to actualize your dream. Now, one distinction I want to make though here is that. It's not like I'm saying, well, if you just tap into the power of your unconscious mind, then you're going to manifest this dream and it's going to happen. No. What I'm saying is that it is this combination of aligning the power of your unconscious mind, which a lot of us do not tap into. We are mostly living in our conscious mind, but when we align those two things, we combine the two. The unconscious mind, this visualization, tapping into the emotions, what it's going to mean to us when we achieve it, and our conscious actions, right? Doing what it takes to build a $100 million agency, doing what it takes every single day, you know, little bite-sized chunks, steps forward every single day that you take, just like the literal steps that I had to take in training for and competing in my gargantuan dream, which was the Ironman. Great. Maybe you can share your third point. Yes. So third point is listen to and follow my intuition and specifically to do what I'm resisting. Now, for 28 years, I had this nagging feeling inside that I just chose to ignore. Like I, I, I could go out and run a 10K and I would sign up for other races or I would sign up for projects at work. I would, you know, take on things that I would say were challenging to me, you know, to move the business forward, but they were all things that I knew I could do. And, you know, sort of over here off in the distance was 
the pile of other things that I was resisting that I could see. I knew they were there, but I was like, oh, no, no, we don't want to look at those. I don't want to do those. I'll, I'll do this other stuff over here that I know I can do. And that, you know, it, it would feel good when I achieved those things. But I knew it was just a, a glimmer of what I was really capable of. And that was the nagging feeling that kept building inside. And Carl Jung actually said this quote, what you resist not only persists, it grows until you deal with it. And if I would have known this earlier, I would have embraced my intuition, followed it to do what I was resisting. Instead of doing the easy stuff that I knew I could do, I would have gone straight over to that pile of what I was resisting and done that. So Covey talked about, you know, first things first and the importance of prioritizing and taking on the, the stuff that we might push away. I talk about steering into conflict, with, whether that conflict is with another individual or with a client or with yourself, right? Moving into it and, and addressing it. Would you say that what's happening here, this listening to the intuition, if I bring this and link this to two previous points, is that intuition is linked to your subconscious. Your subconscious is driven by what you say and your conscious mind, and it's linked back to your intuition. So is, is that how you would bring these things together, or am I kind of oversimplifying there? That is how I would bring them together. I think that was a great synopsis of it. And and just so that listeners know, for the, the sake of this conversation, yeah. the subconscious and the unconscious are the same thing. Okay. I, some Sometimes people ask that question and without getting all scientific about it, let's just say that unconscious and subconscious are the same thing. And yes, Alex, you have it right. Now, also what I want to go back to with what you said is beliefs. That's absolutely true. And sometimes what we resist, we, we resist because we don't believe that maybe we can do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it, it does, Karen. What I'm interested in driving at here is, is to understand the sort of balance point that you found or when you're working with clients doing coaching, is there, is there some way that you help them to understand, all right, this is your intuition speaking and, and honor it, pay attention to it. Where uh, another place where you say, well, you know, there's no intuition or that intuition might be steering you wrong. You do need to look at these other facts. Sometimes they may be in conflict. So how, how do you coach through that? That's a great question. Here's what I would say to that. So first of all, you're absolutely right about intuition and that gut feel. And what happens is I think when those two, when when your gut feeling, your intuition is in conflict with maybe conscious actions or the data points, as you said a moment ago, that is when we have a blind spot in something. And we can't, we can't see through using the gut feel or intuition to the possibilities. So what I would say to a client that's going through that is, okay, first of all, what, what is your gut feel on this? And sometimes that initial gut feel, when we verbalize it, it sounds crazy. Like when, when I had a gut feel that I should write a book to share these keys with the world, I literally like turned in a circle looking around myself thinking, that's crazy. 
I'm, I'm not an author. (laughs) (laughs) And yet I, the, the data points also were in conflict with that. Well, I haven't really written anything before. Uh, I haven't really had the intention or goal of becoming an author. So why would I really want to do that? Does that, does that really make sense? Right. And yet I couldn't really answer those latter questions, but I would come back to that gut feel of, okay, I really want to share this with the world. And ultimately in continuing to come back and think about it, ruminate on it, I came up with, okay, writing a book would be a way to share it successfully, quickly, widely with the world, with a lot of people. Okay, now that makes sense. So what I did there was looked at the original data points, questioned them, then went back to the gut feel, and then willingly opened it up and said, okay, now if this is the gut feel, what else could I do with it? Why why does this make sense? How can this make sense? What are some other possibilities? What are some other options that I haven't considered yet? And then literally just list them all out. Something then will tie a data point, a solid data point will tie to that gut feel. (laughs) Great. Take us to your next point. Ah, I love this one because it's uh, counterintuitive. Have no discipline. (laughs) Have no discipline. Uh, What do you mean? Yeah. And I say that uh, a little pun intended, a little tongue in cheek, because what I discovered in pursuing and ultimately realizing this gargantuan dream is I had to have the discipline to say no. Oh, okay. Instead of having no discipline. It's a play on words. Right, right. I had to have the discipline. Yeah. I had to have the discipline to say no that would take me off course from achieving my goal. And I feel like this is a really important point, especially in our daily society, because we are a society of distraction through devices, excuses, even reasons and justifications why we can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all these things that are vying for our time and our attention. And when I came to grips with the fact that if I wanted to achieve this audacious, scary, huge goal, I was going to have to cut out those distractions. Facebook, Twitter, all the notifications that I have new mail or whatever. I I mean, going into this, I was an organized, focused person and I had to take it up a few notches, if you will, because to get to that bigger goal, I had to up my game. And so what I quickly realized was, okay, I've got to say no to probably more things than I ever have. It's the same thing in our businesses. And when we're tapped into that big dream, that big goal, then we can see more clearly these things that we need to say no to that are going to get in the way. So I'm in you know, violent agreement with you on this one, Karen. Years ago, uh, one of my mentors said to me, you know, the danger of any business is to try to do too many things. And it just kind of stuck with me and stuck with me. And 
we did a podcast with uh, Victoria Nesson early on in the podcast series, and it was titled The Power and Opportunity of the No. And she talked a lot about that, that there's different ways of saying no, but all of them have to kind of ladder up to what's your goal, because then you, it enables you to feel much more comfortable in saying no. And we tend to want to say yes, because we're many of us are hardwired to say yes, when in fact we should really be saying no. And having the discriminant tool to help you define which one is is a yes or a no really ladders back up to those. What is the dream? What's the goal? And I think that's what I hear when you're saying. A resounding yes, yeah. Alex. Yes, absolutely right. And that's that's something that that's a harder thing to learn. And so I can understand you you telling your younger self that too, because particularly early on in our career, we're we're encouraged to say yes a lot. We also have maybe more time, but that habit of saying yes early on in our career. Some that needs to get revisited and kind of edited as we move on because it can actually prevent us from getting to the levels that we want to. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Another uh, learned lesson that I can share is, you know, years ago, I would take a lot of meetings with other consulting firms or other digital agencies. And we talk about all the business we would make and, and create together. And I don't do that anymore at all because I realized that there are nice meetings, but no business ever came from it. Yes. Yeah. Agree. That's probably another conversation at some other time, but maybe we can round it out and you help me out with your last point. Yes, absolutely. Last point is make a decision and verbalize it all the time. And this is important because before that pivotal age of 44, when I made a decision to pursue something, I would only share it if I knew I would be successful. And one of the things that I learned in pursuing Ironman in business as well, is I started verbalizing goals and dreams to other people, especially the ones that I didn't know if I was going to be able to achieve or not. And it opened up an entirely new pathway when I did that, because I got to have conversations with people more often than not that would have something that would help me. You know, it was almost like in, in sharing that, that decision that I had made, they would want to help and go, oh, well, I know such and such who can help you with that. Or I have this thing that might be helpful. Have you considered that? It, it was absolutely amazing how much more helpful that was and how it made things easier. And I got there in much less time. Robert Cialdini in his uh, Secrets of Persuasion in the book Influence, that's a classic of the field, mm -hmm. talks a lot about consistency, right? That people want to be consistent with their actions. So if you have them say some, agree to some small thing, you can then ask them to agree to something else, which is a bit larger and so on and so forth, because they want to make sure that that they're behaving in a, in a pattern in a way that's consistent. Is this the same thing? Is this a different different aspect of that? It is a different aspect of it. Yes, it is along the same line, though. And I would I would also say it works for largely the same reason, right? It's your conscious mind hearing a decision that you've made in your unconscious mind. And whether that decision is to be consistent or, you know, to do what it takes today and tomorrow and the next day to build your agency to the point that you want it or to get to the Ironman World Championships or whatever it is. It works the same way. 
that your conscious mind has to hear it. It's got to get out of your unconscious mind, just bouncing off the walls in there and get out into the world in terms of action. Some people talk about writing stuff down to themselves. Does it have the same impact or does it really have to be something that you're, you're saying to others? Let's say I'm shy. <laughs> Don't feel comfortable <laughs> saying it to everybody. Can, can I, is there another way or does it have to be a spoken thing that's made in front of others? Well, uh, journaling is very powerful. Writing it down is very powerful. Those two things do tap into the power of the unconscious mind for certain. And you take it one step further when you do verbalize it. It really is a powerful thing to say something, to articulate something to another human being that can respond and acknowledge something to you because you don't get any sort of response or acknowledgement when you write it out and when you look at it. Karen, this has been great. I really appreciate you sharing your five points with our listeners. Um, if they want to contact you to learn more or hear more about what you're doing and how you work with clients, what would they do? Folks can get in touch with me at www.velocity, that's spelled V-E-L-O-C-I-T-Y, leadershipconsulting.com forward slash Google Partners, which is the name of your show. Mm -hmm. And since you had me on the show today, and I'm such a big fan, I'm providing a free playlist download of my best two-minute videos, which I call Leadership with Velocity. Keys to greater success for you and those you lead. So that's where you can find me. Thank you, Karen. That's very generous of you. I also want to thank our listeners. If you um, enjoyed this podcast or others, I encourage you to leave your comments or write a review. Uh, we love those. Share it out with friends. If you have any suggestions, uh, you can send them to me on Twitter. I'm at A Langshire on Twitter. So I look forward to having you join us for our next podcast when we'll ask our guests, what are the top five things that they wish they knew? Thanks. <laughs>